This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everyone. If you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10. That's podcast10 to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. And now to the top analysis of today's markets. What's weighing on oil? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Tony Greer, editor of the Morning Navigator newsletter. Hi, Tony. How are you today, Maggie? I'm doing okay for Monday. Can't complain. But we have we have a lot going on, actually, this Monday. Might be the only busy week. Uh, day of the week. I'm not sure, but we, of course, had Saudi Arabia surprising investors over the weekend by going it alone and cutting production without the rest of the OPEC plus members. S&P rallied, was in rally mode again today, hitting nine-month highs before giving up some of those gains, although it was kind of trying to come back at the end. I think the Nasdaq managed to peak into positive territory. And then we had Apple re- uh, releasing a really expensive headset, so stuff going on in the tech world as well. So, What's on your radar? What are you looking at this to start the week off? Yeah, I'm trying to keep track of all of that and more for sure, Maggie. Um, you know, uh, basically what I'm looking at is I see the S&P breaking out and I see the VIX breaking down, which is a little bit of an easy pass story for the bulls in the short term. You know, when we have the VIX break in a range like this, it's kind of indicative that everyone that bought insurance for, you know, a sell-off is probably, you know, pitching their volatility into this abyss here. Um, It's probably going to be a situation that probably lasts, you know, for it looks like, you know, something that I'm comfortable with saying that it's going to be lasting for a good you know, several days to two weeks where we're going to have volatility under pressure, stocks breaking out on the upside, the S&P slowly probably carving the high, you know, a new high for the year up to 4,400 or so. Um, You know, I'm looking like that's the way the S&P is looking. And then we've got the NVIDIA story, right? We've got the artificial intelligence story. We've got NVIDIA just had the huge breakout two weeks ago on the earnings. We know that it's trading 30 times sales, which is, you know, as much as I don't trade valuations, I know that sounds absurd. Um, We've seen massive funds. We saw eight and a half billion dollars fly into Inspo technology for the week ending May 31st, as of, um, according to B of A strategist, Mike Hartnett, he's calling it a little baby bubble, which are the kind of things that we like to trade. You know, we correctly identified the Icarus print real time as as luck would have it on May 30th in NVIDIA. And the Icarus print is when, you know, the stock is up 25% flying too close to the sun and suddenly its wings melt and it backs off a little bit. So I feel like that's the phase that we're in right now with technology. Um, You know, that semiconductor NVIDIA um, headline may have sort of carved the interim high. And so I feel like those names can pull back a bit. And I feel like there are other sectors in the S&P that still look like they're in good shape, like gold miners and home builders and things like that. So I'm really wrestling right now with the VIX, the curve, and the S&P breakout most directly. 
Fantastic. So that's a really interesting point because as you mentioned up until this point, and, and this has bothered a lot of people that the rally has been so narrow, really concentrated in, in really the chip names, but, a, but let, let's give it the AI umbrella um, with Microsoft in there as well. And I know at some point you were like, listen, I'm not going to stand in front of this thing. I mean, it was just so powerful. Do you see some rotation now? Well, you know, I feel like we've at least gotten to the point where you can draw a circle around all of the late longs that piled in with large positions on the headline. It had all the trappings of analysts raising their price targets right through the market to prices that have never traded in NVIDIA. Um, you know, those heavy volume gapping days are, you know, very indicative of, you know, the money is going to work. Right. So if there becomes a story or a sort of, uh, you know, market nuance where maybe rates are going higher and it's not as beneficial to own tech, then there's certainly a chance where I may pursue a trade on the downside where maybe the, you know, S&P or maybe the Qs and tech comes back in line with some of the other sectors of the market. You know, that's what's still what we're seeing on a year to date basis, Maggie, is big tech is running away. Ethereum is rallying. Then you've got semiconductors, the whole AI story. And on the downside of, for the year, once again, you've got, you know, oil names, um, basically really everything, energy, a couple of metals and mining sector. So, you know, um, that's the way the bifurcation on the year is going. I'm not sure that it's just going to continue in a runaway train in that direction, though. I feel like that can flatten out where maybe we see tech come back to earth. And it looks like there's some you can make a case that energy is a little bit oversold and has some upside catalyst to it as well. So we'll see what happens with that uh, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that that's amazing. I actually want to dig into I, I want to dig into energy and some of the commodities, but both from an equity and from the the actual commodity perspective in a second. But since you were talking about AI and tech, so you might have noticed all of you, we ran a little thing at the beginning of the show. We have a huge festival of learning coming off, kicking off today because of this huge explosion, because of we, what we've seen, not only happening in the market, but we have people asking us, you're all asking us in the chat, like, what does this mean? What should I tell my kid who's going to college? I mean, it's, it's sort of hitting us everywhere. So festival of learning, um, some of the content's going to look at big picture issues, policies, ethical, where's the opportunity, what happens when quantum computing meets AI. That was a specific question last Friday, and I told them we'd, we'd make sure we cover that. We're going to have a whole conversation. I am tomorrow live with Mike Green and Nardo, who's an expert in, in quantum computing. Today, we kicked off with Peter Diamandis. You know him. Um, he's the founder of the XPRIZE, um, and Salim Ismail. They are co-authored. Uh, a book called Exponential Companies. Let's have a little listen to that clip and then we'll we'll catch up on the other side. Yeah, you know, it's, it's AI along with multiple other technologies like blockchain and so on have been moving along somewhat deceptively. We've been tracking LLMs for a few years now. And now that they're in the, in the public eye, it's clear as uh, Peter talks about this. He says, you know, in the next few years, either you're heavily embedding AI into everything you do or you're not going to be around. And so therefore, all products and services now will be enabled and augmented using AI and algorithms going forward. And you have to take that into account, either to be competitive or to leverage new opportunities or to enter new markets. I'm laughing. I'm looking in the chat as that's running. And Mike White says, I think I've been possessed by AI. Won't leave me alone. I feel like we all feel like that, Mike, which is why we're doing this. Things are moving so fast. It's interesting that Peter and Ismail, who you saw there, 
um, are not even publishing Salim Ismail. They're not even publishing the book traditionally. It's going to live live online so they can make constant updates. That's how fast things are moving. Um, you can access that whole conversation on our platform and receive an invite to a really cool workshop they're doing. Um, if you're not an RV member, you can sign up for the festival with a link that Brian will drop. We're going to show it again at the end. Um, you just have to register. It's for free. Um, and in addition to those big picture themes, we're going to drill down and have some tutorials, talk to community members about how they're using it to grow businesses. Super cool stuff. So I hope you can join, it for, uh, join us for that. Um, Tony, how do you think about so this AI narrative has been so powerful and people have gotten sort of run over who, who've tried to short this or say, oh, things look overvalued. How do you deal with that kind of like narrative that's everywhere every time you turn on the television or talk to anybody and then the price action? How do you how do you do that? Um, it's fun. It, it, it's a lot of fun. You know, th this is um, this is equities becoming religion. Right. And we've seen it before. This is price agnostic. I have to be involved you only live once type of trading. You know, it, it's, um, this is the volatility that you want for a trader sitting in my position. It certainly shakes up the apple cart quite a bit. Um, you know, when you've got a sector that's just taking off and driving on a narrative like this, it gets oversold and stays oversold for a really long time because that positive reinforcement loop in the media and the markets generally feeds on itself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, early on, it's something that, that, you know, you were able to get into and really play from the long side. If you bought the first print, for example, if you bought the first print in semiconductors or cues, you know, that was tradable. You can make money on that on the upside. Not a greater fool trade at all. You know, still serious money piling in and, and trying to position the way they want in that sector, according to what the sell side has just lined up on their matrices on on for price targets and earnings, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's great to see the volatility take place. You watch the mania happen. You know, you look for signs of distress and then you look for signs of exhaustion. You know, and this is without question a trade now that we can observably see all the length that's in it and at what price the length is in it at. This is definitely going to be a trade for me to hunt on the downside, right? The retracement trade when the cues and NVIDIA fall back to earth. You know, NVIDIA can fall 25% to $300 and still be in a raging uptrend. And it wouldn't shock me for something like that to happen for the health of the AI move, right? If NVIDIA, if this move is really going to be real, what's going to happen is it's going to back off to 300, hold that level somewhere, close the gap and go. So, you know, you kind of look for these historic plays or historic uh, ways for the stocks to play out and you see where you can jump in you know, see where you can jump in in the middle. So for me, there's, you know, I'm kind of looking now that the VIX has broken that range on the downside and tech stocks are floating away and the S&P is floating away above 4,200. I'm definitely looking for the VIX to wear everybody out on the downside and then have an exhaustion print where maybe the VIX prints a new low and there's a red to green day and stocks go the opposite way, right? Maybe stocks carve a new high and on the on another incremental headline and that's where you can say wow this just went from oversold to really oversold and at higher prices mm. so now you can you know as a trader you can say ah you know maybe i'll stick my toe in the water here at some point so i'm definitely looking to fade this technology move for a trade you know back into trend line support type of thing i'm definitely looking for natural resources which have gotten oversold 
um, to bounce, although I haven't traded a share of it yet. Um, but I had a great conversation with Tom Thornton um, for my subscribers on my platform. And one of the things that he's looking at, which made me sit up in my chair, is XLE, right? He's just looking at the oil sector, which has been overthrown, oversold, thrown out like the baby with the bathwater again, and it really hasn't backed off much. Yeah. So if there's an upside trade from here in XLE, it could be a really exciting one. And, you know, I kind of like that story because everybody's kind of jumped out of that trade. And don't, I don't feel like there's a crowd and energy at all either way. Um, and so we can fade the crowd in tech. We can kind of, you know, try to get there first if there's a bounce in natural resources. And having made a couple of decent calls to start off the year, at least we're playing with the house's money for the first time all year. So I get a little bit more confident when that happens. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, that's always good. I, I, I really love the way you just laid that out because that, that's what you're thinking about if you're coming at it from a trading perspective. And I think we all know you want to buy stuff when it's beat up and nobody wants it. That's when you want to be paying attention. But it's so hard to do with the timing, right? And you sort of have all these people convincing you that this time's different and we're on the edge of a revolution. When let's 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 talk about oil because we did have that uh, just to show how unloved it is or how sort of negative sentiment is. I guess we had that Saudi Saudi Arabia production cut. Sort of unusual to have an o, one OPEC member, even if it's a really big, the most important one, cutting on its own is there wasn't enough agreement among them all to cut. And and it, you did see a reaction, but then it slid right back down. It didn't seem to stick. Yeah, well, the Prince Abdulaziz floated what he called the Saudi lollipop, right, with the second output cut. Um, it may have just been them, but it very much lines up with me, for me, like what is a little bit of a, of a toe-to-toe sort of very casual battle going on between Saudi Arabia and the Biden administration. Yeah, let's remember it's gas it's it, this is like peak gas time in the US. So the timing is not to be lost on anyone. Well, the timing shouldn't be lost on us either because, you know, if anything Biden's position now is I would imagine is likely to refill the SPR rather than, you know, continue to drain it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Saudi Arabia is aware of that. So they probably said, OK, let's tighten the screws on him a little bit and see if he'll come to the market for this. Um, but they still see that they, you know, they're looking at they want to stabilize the market. Yeah. Right. And if they believe, you know, if they buy into this um, into the story of, of, you know, a recession and maybe a little bit of less fuel demand or something like that, then they have room and reason to get the next cut on the tape. And if the other countries don't want to go along with them, then so be it. Right. They can go ahead and do that. So we're going to see how it plays out. The, the, the fact remains, nothing has happened technically. Nothing has changed in oil, right? The, crude, the, the, the path of WTI crude oil has not changed. Spreads are still loose. There's no, there's no urgency to rush in and buy it. It's trading at prices that it has seen over and over and over again over the last several months. So unless it starts breaking moving averages on the upside, you know, I'll be peering through the scope and not the binoculars ready to trade. 
Um, so I've taken a little bit of a step closer to that trade, but until I get a catalyst, um, you know, the bat remains on the shoulder and we're not going to be taking any swings until a catalyst. Occurs. I love, I love you. I've been saying for everything, Tony. I was yeah, love it. Too many metaphors today. I know. I, but no, just... no, there's never enough. I love it. Uh, Achilles <laughs> was asking exactly that. What do you make of energy selling off OPEC cuts? It sounds like you're saying the focus is really on, on the, the risk to demand on that recession story that, that everyone's waiting for. Yeah. Well, you know, he gets, you know, the Saudi Arabia headline gets, you know, I think they did it a little bit differently this time, right? Rather than waking up Monday morning to the production cut out of the blue, right? Mm -hmm. Totally out of the blue. Like last time, you know, they got to bump up to $80, which was just right into technical resistance. And if thing fell straight back as fast as you can say, Prince Abdulaziz, right? So this time they telegraphed it a little bit. They probably let a few longs get in and say, you know what, why don't we buy this because there's an OPEC meeting and these guys are definitely going to cut production. Mm -hmm. And so it lets some traders get in on the upside and make some money and they probably sold it right out into the rally. And I feel like the economic story is where if you're short as a fund and you get this headline and it's not a strong enough headline to elect stops on the upside because they are getting short oil now. I don't think it's a huge spec position, but it's definitely leaning on the short side. You press, right? You come in, oil's into resistance. Maybe you don't have your full position on and you say, okay, let's get our full short size position on right here into this OPEC burst. And so we'll see where the price shakes out. But if the, if, we start to draw a bullseye on the short side of the energy trade and the long side of the tech slash AI trade, I will definitely play for a mean reversion in both. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're in an interesting period too, because we we had the ISM number out, a little below expectations for services, still hanging around 50 though. It's not falling off a cliff. And now we're, we're not going to have a huge amount of data because we had jobs last Friday. Some of it's already come out. We're in a Fed blackout period. So there's not going to be a lot to sort of you know, be able to hang your hat on in terms of looking for breadcrumbs about what's going on. So everyone's going to have to kind of sit where they are, I think. Um, Bo asked, uh, do you think they, meaning OPEC, can throttle, or Saudis, throttle production enough to prop up prices during a bona fide economic downturn? No. <laughs> you know, they, like that'll be difficult. And, and maybe not because of the, you know, maybe, maybe not because of the, um, demand drawdown, you know, possibly because, you know, we've got more capacity coming online in a couple of different ways in the energy markets. Um, crack spreads have softened a little bit. You know, the market's just not as tight and as red hot as it was, you know, when we were sort of dealing with the earlier days of the um, Russia response to the NATO invasion of Ukraine. So it's really, really tough to tell down here, but at least we've got the market at levels where it's comfortable trading these prices, it's establishing a sideways range. It's not spending a lot of time in the 60s and coming back. The problem is the narrative is strong enough to keep a lid on it right now. You know, there's enough fear of demand destruction and enough fear of extra capacity that if you've got a short on that's working, let them have it on any, every rally still. You yeah. know? So I feel like that's what we're fighting in the energy markets right now. Yeah. And that recession, the recession story is going to play out over a longer period of time because even, you know, for anyone who turned in Friday, you know, Darius Morale had different ideas about the timing of the recession. Morale thinks we're already in it or we already saw it, but you're going to start getting the data look weak if that's true, because it will lag. So like really where we are in this whole economic cycle is up for debate. Um, yeah. And then you've got China people feeding into it too. And 
um, and winter. And so there's a lot, that's a trade I know, Tony, this is why from your trader perspective, you're on it all the time because it can change and it can change relatively quickly. I feel like, you know, the economic picture has maybe deteriorated a little bit more, you know, given the employment data last week and, and, and some weaker data that we've seen, or at least sideways to weaker data. Where's the stock market? It's higher, right? Like, so everything that we said was correct about warning investors, look, just because there may be a recession coming, it doesn't mean stocks have to go down, right? So at least we gave some good advice there and um, we've got a bounce to trade, right? But everything is kind of one, one trade at a time here. The guys in my uh, Slack channel have been calling it a bar crawl, you know, this year, because we can't get out of the gate with a big, huge trade. Everybody's getting black eyes left and right. Uh, but we're still willing to take risk in order the drinks up. You know what I mean? So it's uh, it's a little bit of a bar crawl feel to it, but we're scraping together a couple bucks in the last few months. That's awesome. So um, question from Colin, and this is going to revert back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier on your on you watching the S&P level. Does this market have anything to do with uh, JPM's collar option trade? It's very specific. So I don't know if you're watching this. I hear 43.20 on the S&P is an important number. Could very well. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I'm not on the inside of the big options market. I don't know about that collar. Um, I'm sure it could be something that caps the market. You know, I'm not. I'm not fading his idea at all. If the if the trade is on and out there, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe it's something that we'll chew through. Maybe it's something that we'll run into like a brick wall and fail. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I really don't. And I, you know, similarly, no, nothing has changed. The S and P is sort of floating away and negating the idea that there's a head and shoulders topping pattern, right? Like what we, what we saw was a potential head and shoulders, but the right, but the right shoulder just kind of broke off and sailed away. So <laughs> what, we're, what we're doing now is we're sailing to a new high and we've got to figure out where this is going to, um, you know, fade out and pull back. The one thing that hasn't changed, the curve's still buried at 60 basis points. So this is nonlinear chaos trading. Right. Like mm-hmm. I'm still expecting that we're not out of the woods. We're not into a, okay, here we go. Trending toward S and P five K. It's not one of those years. It's not yeah. one of those years. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the real vision daily briefing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, this disconnect between what's been happening with stocks and the, and the bond volatility, you know, everyone has, and how many, how many months has it been? We've been saying something, they've got to come, they've got to meet some, someone's wrong. Something's on the wrong side here, but it hasn't happened. It's just continued, which I think Jem last week described as just a rubber band that keeps stretching, which, mm. which sounds dangerous uh, yeah. if that's the case. So um, question, question from Doug. What do you think of a commodity bull market led by battery metals, copper, lithium, cobalt, and nickel, and not um, iron ore, steel, coal, and aluminum? Could very well happen. I mean, you're not going to catch me getting bearish any of those, you know, rare earth and specialty metals when we're trying to step on the gas toward carbon neutral, you know, when we're talking about, you know, ending farming to get to our climate zero 
uh, our net zero goals, you know, once they start socializing end of life as one something that's reasonable uh, to pursue in pursuit of our climate goals, then God knows what's going to happen next, quite honestly. The problem that I have with cobalt and molybdenum and rare earth metals is they're not liquid, they're not trackable, and they're not really tradable. So yeah, they may go up, the mines may go up. I'm not against any of those trades or any of those ideas at all. Um, it's not the style of trading that I like to do. I like to pick a sector and bet on it or against it. Yeah. You know, so. Absolutely. We've done, if you're interested in that, Doug, um, I'm sure you've already looked, but go back, uh, go back in the, on the platform because we've done some deep dives into those markets with some really knowledgeable people and it's super interesting stuff, but the liquidity, um, and the price transparency is challenging. So you really have to do your homework and make sure that if you're following somebody that they're doing their homework on it. Uh, question, Tony, you mentioned, I think you mentioned earlier home builders. You also mentioned gold miners, right? Are you looking at gold here? Yeah. You know, I just took the proceeds of my tech trade. Um, I was fortunate enough to be long tech for the end semiconductors for the NVIDIA headline. Um, that is always an exit for me. Um, for me, no matter, no, even if it keeps going, that's kind of when I'm, when I'm happy to liquidate and let everybody in the market chase the disco ball and let me get back down in the weeds and look for my next trade. So what I've done is basically taken the proceeds of the tech trade and kind of rolled into some gold miners. Um, I very much like the fact that gold has pulled back to a trend line and 100 day moving average support while the dollar index trades into resistance. So now I can start gauging the levels where I think the dollar index can fail and gold can go again. I love the fact that both gold, gold stocks and gold stocks versus gold are all dramatically oversold in terms of RSI and stochastics. So that's something that when those stars kind of align, I can, you know, I can start pursuing buying dips in a sector rather than chasing rallies, which I like to do more often than not. So the gold miners, it, it's a really attractive trade to me. You know, they look like they are in, um, you know, a pretty healthy channel. We understand the reason that gold pulled back and that stocks pulled back. And if we understand that reason, but think that we're still in a secular bull market and that gold miners are going to be one of the sectors that's standing at the end of the year, like I think they're going to be this year, then I'm happy to put my money on the table when they pull back into support. Mm. And if the dealer beats you, she can take our money. But this looks like it's uh, the right way to line up this trade. Uh, you know, I demand of myself, like I've said, to, to be long gold miners when gold goes through 2080. And I still believe that it's a matter of when, not if gold goes through 2080. I just feel like the conditions around the world right now, um, and quite honestly, in the macro markets are, are all set for gold to advance. And it may not be a rocket ship, but I don't think gold's going to back off much this year. Yeah, we've had a, we've had a couple of different people on, coming on the platform, Tony, also looking at some of the things you're looking at. Um, and, and it felt like everyone was talking about gold at the beginning of the year, then everybody hated it. But we've been getting we've been getting a lot of comments and a lot of people sort of definitely saying that they want to have some sort of exposure to it. Although, as we always say, this is not investment advice only. You can decide your risk profile. It's just what some of the folks are kind enough to share their thoughts on. On, on, uh, on the idea, though, Maggie, that's very important to notice, though, and, and, you know, all the gold bulls were not expecting rates to go rifling higher like they are now, right? This is something that, that's strengthening the dollar, causing the short cover in the dollar index. That's another thing macro traders weren't expecting. 
So this revert, you know, we saw the big reversal lower in rates and now yields are rising again, like there's some kind of inflationary impulse. Um, so that's just worth tracking. And I think that's why gold pulled back originally. And we'll see how it plays out from here. Yeah. And we're going to watch, too, because we know and, and we're not going to go into it because we've talked about it at length and we're continuing to cover it. Um, Andres is all over it in signals, but a lot of these liquidity issues about um, the Treasury general account and what happens now post the debt ceiling deal, that's got that's got an impact on all of that. Uh, Trillionex asking, are you back in uranium at all? I like uranium. I like the sector. Um, you know, it's still a great ESG fade. And, you know, if you if, if you think that, um, you know, wind and solar are eventually going to fall flat, probably makes sense to be long the uranium trade as in the miners. You know, the, the charts still look pretty good. CCJ, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they had a great week last week, which is always encouraging. Um, the sector itself, URA, has been holding a flat line on the dip. I'll just call it up so that I know what what price that is again. So um, I like the fact that the sector backs off um, and holds this flat line around 1920 and continues to rally. That said, it hasn't broken the top of the range at 23, 24 yet either. So uranium stocks in the middle of a range here, a good play against, you know, ESG, uh, fading ESG and carbon neutral wind and solar. Um, it might take a long time to play out. Um, and even pivoting towards nuclear energy, I don't think necessarily means that the price of uranium has to go higher, right? Obviously, there's going to be a lot more uranium production coming online to feed those um, nuclear reactors if we go that way. And so we're going to have to watch and see how that trade pans out. It would make sense to me, though, that the miners would still have some success, if yeah. that's fair a way to look at it. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm glad you mentioned the time horizon on that one, because a lot of times we talk short term, but you're looking at that one as a longer term. By the way, um, TC saying um, just just because we brought it up before, a big chunk of the call gamma is on the 4320 JPM quarterly, um, which is fantastic. The, the, the folks on the platform, you know, there's two chats, everyone. If you're on YouTube, there is a chat on our platform as well for members. And I can never get over the amount of the incredible information that's being shared there. Um, I'm going to give Paul the last question. Uh, I think that's all we're going to have time for. How, how do you read the action in long bonds? Um, so, you know, if I look at 30-year yields, um, if you want to talk about the long bond, you know, it's, it's a reason that I've been, you know, I stayed, I got long builders when yields starting back backing off and the trade still seems to be working as yields are rising all the action seems to be in the front end of the curve in terms of that uh reacting to whatever inflation impulse the bond market's getting right now so that's why the front end is selling off a little bit more aggressively than the back end um i don't have a strong view on the long end of the rates market you know i have a feeling that eventually we're going to get the curve to steepen again and that might mean that longer term yields can go up or stay sideways. I just don't think that they're going very much lower if that's if that's a fair uh, if that's a fair view. It certainly is. Um, fantastic stuff. That's all we have time for. But Tony, we made it around all the asset classes as usual, I think. So thank you so much for that. Thank you, Maggie. Great job. Uh, so we'll see you all same time tomorrow. But remember, 
Uh, the times are changing a little bit, but uh, tomorrow, I think it's at 11 a.m. Eastern, I'm going to be catching up with Mike Green and Nardo Manolato, who is a specialist both in quantum computing and also um, serves on some AI ethics committees. So that's going to be a really fascinating conversation. And if you want to register for the Festival of Learning, you just go to realvision.com forward slash Festival of Learning, and there'll be a little bit more info in this video we're going to play. Thank you so much for joining us. Take care and good luck out there, everyone. So this is probably going to be the worst marketing message of all time, that everything you're about to learn at the Real Vision Festival of Learning, the AI edition, is going to be out of date really soon. But you need to know it anyway. That's the crazy world of AI. The speed of which it's developing is absolutely astonishing. And so is the speed it's taken the public attention and imagination, the hype cycle, and already jobs. It's a very, very big deal. I think it's one of the most important things to happen to the global, global economy in my lifetime and maybe longer. But where is it all going? And the honest answer is, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. But for two weeks, we're going to have a lot of fun trying to find out. So starting from June 5th, we're going to have the AI edition of the Festival of Learning. I hope you join us for what's going to be an epic two weeks right before we launch Real Vision 2.0, where we are starting to plant the seeds towards our AI journey too. Anyway, hope to see you there. It'll be a super interesting two weeks. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance.